Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Hey, we've been in a study through the book of Ephesians. If you've been with us so for the past month, we've got several months ahead and we're journeying through Ephesians. We uh, finish um, uh, chapter 2 this week, and we'll keep right on. If you want to keep notes, follow along, keep track of things, and then you can scan that, and that will get you to an online a worship guide that you can take notes, send it to yourself, send it to someone else. Hey, check this out, all that kind of stuff. It also has our digital Bible on there, so if you don't have a Bible with you, you can scan that and be able to, to follow right along. So, for example, we have been for several weeks now... Uh, in, in, in Ephesians. And just for a quick review, we started with chapter 1 and we looked at that's more of a top-down perspective on our life. It is how God in, in the heavens, how God is beyond the heavens, He's in our, in our world today, how God in His omnipotence, omni, omnipresent self, He's looking down on us. How is God seeing us? How is God seeing his children? How is God seeing his believers? How is he seeing the world and putting it together? So that top-down kind of perspective. And we talked about that week one, and I want to keep reiterating that uh, because this should be our identity. Our identity is not what people say about us. It's not what we think about us. We are not what we think we are. We are what other people think we think we are. So it's like, we, we don't even know who we are. We're, we got dysphoria, we've got confusion, we, we get lost in all of that. Hey, stop, 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 stop. Who we are is tied to who the God of the universe says we are. And what he has, recognizes as, is we are blessed. And that blessing, it comes that he's chosen us, that he's adopted us, that he's loved us, that he has freed us, that he's forgiven us, and that he has enlightened us. So we can walk in truth and not walk in some fog. In fact, we read last week, Paul's prayer was that the hearts of the people would be enlightened in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And so the idea that God has chosen, selected, adopted, loved, embraced us, set us free, that is our identity. And I hope that you walk in that. Hope that you live in that. That top down is what we need to see as the big picture. But then there's the bottom up, okay? We went there last week. We were in Ephesians one, or 2, chapter 1, or uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to uh, 11, or 1 to 10. And in that section, we kind of get into the muck and the mire of who we are. Okay, God's top down, we're looking up, and it's, we're broken, there's death, there's disorientation, there's, we're living after our passions and desires, and we're, we're doomed, and, but God, or first big but God in Ephesians, when he says, but God, rich in mercy, uh, he loved us, and through his grace he saved us, and that whole understanding comes out of embracing and understanding from the bottom up that we're broken, and that we need to be fixed, we need to be saved, we need to be reborn, as, as Jesus says. There needs to be a second life happen to every single one of us. And it's not turning over a new leaf, it's entering into a new life. And that new life comes through Jesus. So, top down, bottom up, but today we want to look outside in, inside out. So there's this vertical impact of a life in Christ, but then there's this horizontal impact. 
of a life in Christ? How does this impact our life? And, and so take your Bibles, look at Ephesians chapter 2 again, verse 11. And we're going to get into some pretty deep waters, but I've warned you from the beginning, Ephesians is not, uh, is not shallow. Okay, it is probably one of the most densely packaged six chapters in the New Testament. That's how, how, how important it is in all that it says in there. It gets into a little bit of Jewish history today and taps into some, uh, some of that. And so just kind of bear with me as we plow through that and look at that and understand how it still impacts our life. Right, and you're going to see this. You're going to see uh, uh, the same outline, if you will, as we saw last week. We're going to talk about our life before Christ. We're going to have this but God moment with Christ. And then we're going to talk about our life after Christ. But this time it's not just my life after Christ. It's our life after Christ. Because again, it's not just a vertical impact. There's a horizontal impact. So our life before, how, we impact, how we're impacted by Jesus, that but God moment. And then we have the life after that. As you look at this passage, you'll see it probably pretty clearly. Listen to verse 11. Therefore, anytime you come across the therefore, it's always tying us back to what it just previously was talking about. You've got to ask, wherefore, therefore, is therefore. Therefore, remember. Now, let me just say, emphasize this. That is the imperative command in the next seven verses. So everything he's going to ask us to do is tied back to that one word, remember. Don't forget this. This is foundational. This is fundamental to your life, to your faith. That at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by which is called, uh, uh, by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by the hands. I know a lot of Jewish uh, lingo in there. Hang with me. Remember that you were at time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. If you want to underline those words, you can underline those words. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers in the covenant of, uh, to the covenant of pr- promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now that's just pretty dark. But God. But now in Christ Jesus, you have once you were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Who was made, who has made us. Now I gotta point this out. You're gonna see it go from chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, where he's talking about your salvation. You're saved by grace through faith. You, 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 you. The next section here, because it deals with our horizontal relationships, it's going to talk a lot about us and our. So, for he himself is our peace, who made us both one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the laws and the commandments and the ordinances that it might create in himself. Does it mean the laws don't apply anymore? Uh, no, it's not saying that. It's saying the ceremonial laws that were making you, uh, connecting you, purifying you, they're gone. The ceremonial laws, the, the moral law is still in place. That it, might, uh, uh, that it might create in himself one new man in which 
of the two, so making peace, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we, again, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And then you are no longer strangers and alien, but you are fellow citizens. We're in this together. Our citizenship is in one place. And the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, they're coming together. How are they going to be joined together? Christ himself being the cornerstone. So you take this wall and that wall comes together by the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He brings the old and the new and he makes it one. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together. Again, notice the together, notice the coming together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, I know there's a lot in that, but I want us to understand today and to remember today. Remember the imperative command here. Therefore, remember. What are we to remember? You are to remember certain things and never forget them. One of those is the dark side, that we were separated, that we were alienated, that we were strangers, that we were hopeless, that we were without God. You saw it right there. You read it for yourself. That is the description of all of humanity, of all of time, of all the peoples, of all the places, of all, everywhere in the world, even to this day. That is the default setting of humanity. Until there's a but God moment. If you've never had that but God moment, that but Christ moment, where God inserts himself into your life with grace, that is a descriptor of everybody else. Now, what the good news is, is that God wants to interrupt our lives. And we need to remember, be reminded day in and day out of the beautiful impact of being in Christ. So I want to talk about five things to remember that help you remember and never forget these as you go through your life of your new life in Christ. What do you need to remember? Number one, remember that you've moved from separation to connection. You went from being a stranger and an alien to coming together and belonging and connecting. Let's go back to that verse that we skipped over real quickly there, verse 13. But now in Christ. Last week we read in verse 3, but God, rich in mercy. Now, but Christ. This is one of those interruptions where God inserts himself into the storyline of our life. And what does he do? Those who were far off are brought near. God steps into the stories of our life and recognizing that we're broken. And guys and gals, if you haven't realized it, look in the mirror, you're broken. Every one of us. I know it. I'm broken. You're broken. We've messed up. We've missed the mark. But what is it that that means? That means that we're alienated. We're strangers from God. James chapter 2, verse 10. One, the person who keeps all the laws and yet it stumbles in, in one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. 
So it doesn't take sins to separate you from God. It takes sin to separate us from God. In fact, here's a verse. I want us to read it out loud together. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Read it with me. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God that your sins have hidden His face from you. You ever feel like, maybe in time in your life, you know, I prayed and God didn't answer. I don't think God even sees what's going on. Might it be that there's a separation, that there's a chasm, that there's a, there's, there's a wall between you and God? That hits, His face is hidden from us, and why does that happen? It happens because of sin. But here is the beauty. Again, we talk about the but God in this. But now in Christ, what does He do? By His blood, we're brought near. By His blood. So that separation is no longer. Yes, i got to step into the reality that I'm a stranger, I'm an alien, I'm, I'm separated, that I have no hope and that I have no God. I'm without God. Until I wake up one day and I say, hey, I need you, Jesus. And Jesus, through His death, through His, through his death on the cross, through His blood that He spilt on the cross brings us to Him. We get connected with God. We get connected with one another. Number two, peace. And that is we move from war to peace. Now, when you read through Ephesians, in six chapters, you're going to find the word peace seven times. You're going to find in the very first words of Paul, he greets them with grace and peace. And then the very last verse of Ephesians 6, he's going to again greet them with grace and peace. Peace is the sandwich, uh, is the pieces of bread to the sandwich. And right in the middle of it, you have this chapter where again and again and again, he's going to drive us back to understanding what peace is. Notice what it says in verse 14. He himself is our peace. Would you say that with me? He himself is our peace. Peace is not a pill. I don't medicate my my, 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 my internal war away. Peace is not a place. I don't build a better place, go on a better vacation, have a better house, and I'm going to find peace. Peace is not in a, is in, is in a person, is in a position. It's in a person of Jesus Christ. He himself is our peace. It was what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that he would be the Prince of Peace. It's what the angels sang about when they declared that he was born, that the glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men. It's what Jesus told his disciples in John 14 when he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. What is this peace? It doesn't mean there's absence of war. It means that I can live in the war and still have peace. It's not a vibe. It's not a buzz. It's a person, and that person is in Jesus. Verse 14, look there with me again. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Breaking down the wall of hostility? Yes. We live in this time, in a very hostile world. 
It was a segregated society. The Jews were on this side. The Gentiles were on this side. And neither would they mix. The Samaritans wouldn't go to the Jews and the Jews wouldn't go to the Samaritans. It was a very segmented, segregated society. Much like it is today. The most segregated hour of any week is 11 o'clock or church time on a Sunday morning. We don't mix races. We don't miss socioeconomic classes. We kind of keep ourselves segmented out. But in this day and age, there was such hostility that, that a Jew could not worship with a, with a Gentile. And be, you don't agree with me, and so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to agree with you, and I'm going to segment myself. And there was just this incredible wall of hostility. In fact, Paul's sitting here writing this, and he's thinking about this particular wall in the, in the temple in Jerusalem. It was, it was a wall that was made out of granite. It was a wall separating the Jews from the Gentiles. In fact, this is a picture that I took whenever I was in uh, Istanbul, Turkey, in the archaeological museum uh, of, a, of a block that they found from Herod's temple. It's interesting, when you read the inscription on this block, it says, No foreigner may enter within the barricades uh, which surround the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone is caught doing so gave, will himself be to blame for in his ensuring death. Basically, there was a wall that a Jew could not pass and go into the temple. They could only go up so far, and if they went in there, they would die. And you're basically sealing your own death if you do that. What Jesus does is he tears down the walls of hostility. My friends, let me say this. Please listen. We live in a cancel culture. We live in a culture that we live in echo chambers of social medias. And we are in this day and age when there is such hostility to one another. And the place and the people that are called to be at peace and to propagate peace and to carry peace are the people of God. But yet what I see in our churches and what I've experienced in our churches over the past couple of years is exhausting. 69, according to Barnes, 69% of pastors say that the local, the, the elections of our day and the political climate of our day is causing a detrimental impact to the church. My friends, we're 44 days away from a midterm election. I got a challenge for you. Let us be the people of peace. Let us shut down from this, this fighting in, across lines. When we realize that if you're a, a Trumper or an anti-Trumper, if you're, if, if, and I, I know I'm stepping into some deep waters here, but just hang with me or throw something at me. I don't care. Uh, I've had other things thrown at me. The, the point I'm trying to make is, guys and gals, we're called to peace. We're called to be people of peace. We're called to generate peace and be about peace. In fact, it was the prayer of Jesus the night before he was betrayed, the night before he went to the cross, excuse me, on the night of his betrayal, he said this, may they be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me and they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. One of the real tests of whether or not 
the world out there is going to believe about the Jesus in here is whether or not we're going to be one. And if we can't get there, then the Jesus that we're selling is a hoax. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. The gospel of God doesn't just save me, it saves this as well. It gives us relationships that can go the distance, that will break down walls of hostility that are built up. Number three, it moves us from rivalry to reconcile. Notice that he said in the last verse, dividing wall of hostilities tore down. Notice in this verse, verse 16, that he's killing the hostility. Killing the hostility. I'll read the whole verse. It says, um, it says that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. How do we kill that hostility? We go through the cross. We go through the cross and we realize that we are being reconciled not only to God, but we are being reconciled to one another. We're being brought back to God. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He, he who never sinned, but He died for the sinners to bring us safely home to God. We are reconciled to God. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't want to be reconciled to God. You remember that long list? They're hopeless. They're strangers. They're without God. The greatest tragedy on that list of descriptors was a life without God. But we're reconciled to God. We're brought back to God. But listen, we're also to be reconcilers with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since through Christ reconciled us to Himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry, I have a ministry, you're a minister, I'm a minister. If we don't know what our ministry is, let's just go out and reconcile the world. That is in Christ God who reconciles the world to Himself, not counting the trespasses against them, entrusting the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors of Christ. We are are reconciled to God to reconcile others to God. A part of our ministry, is not a part of my salvation is not just I'm good with God, thank you Jesus. It's that I'm good with God, now how can I make us good with God? How can I make us good with each other? How can I make you good with God? How can I help you enter into your relationship? I have four Hindus in my life that I see on a multiple time week, okay, two, three, four times a week. In their life, they're in my life. One Jewish man. In my life, I'm in his life, he's in my life. Eight other secularists, not far from God, they have no interest in God, church or the things of God. In my life, they're, I got to be about the ministry of reconciliation. So do you. We all must be about that. Number four, we, we go from off-limits to total access. Remember what I said in Isaiah 59 verse 2, you're separated from God? But notice what happens here. We're brought back to God. Verse 18, through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Don't miss this. 
you see the Trinity. You see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now there are people who say, hey, Trinity's not in the Bible. Islam does not believe in the Trinity. Other religions do not believe in the Trinity. You're seeing the Trinity played out right here. Through Him, Jesus, through Him, what does He do? He brings us access in one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to whom? The Father. That is access. The key word there is access. I have, God is accessible to me. You ever try to make a doctor's appointment? You need to see the doctor right now? Yeah, we'll see you in three months. You don't have access. You, you, you want to get to see somebody uh, to talk about your job? You got to have access. You, you want to network with somebody? You got to have access. Access is powerful. We have access through Him, Jesus. His Spirit taking our prayers, connecting us to the Father. Don't get over being saved, please. That you have access to the God of the universe. Ephesians 3.12 says we can have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Romans 5.8, we've attained access through faith and in in this grace in which we stand. Listen, we've been talking about grace since the beginning of this series. It is God's grace that saves us. In faith, it connects us and gives us access to the Father. When I was in college, I had a friend of a friend who was in charge of getting security for all the concerts that were held on our college campus. And so I got invited to be a, the, one of the security guards for the concert. Now, you got to remember, I went to a Baptist university, and our, and our concerts were in maybe chapel, so we weren't exactly dealing with drunk students at a college concert. So, in fact, I, I, was, I was security backstage with the band, and what is that? I didn't even get to pack a gun or anything like that. So it's like, it's not exactly the most thrilling job, except having access to the band. I got to meet them. I got to eat at their buffet. I got to hang out when they're on the stage. I got to hang out in their nice cool chairs. It was, gave me access. I got to know them. Access. Don't underestimate that you have access to the God of the universe who wants to have access to your life and us to connect with him. Number five, don't forget this. When you wake up in the morning, I love Ty's story. And the way God is writing it, beautiful, the Moore's family, just loving and accepting and embracing and making a part of your family, it is the story of the gospel. That ever, it's not just here, it's here that we become a part. We go from foreigner to family. Notice again, remember those phrases that we were separated, we were alienated, we were strangers, we were hopeless, we were without God. I mean, that's a pretty lonely state in the descriptor. But notice what we just read in a very rapid-fire way. We are connected. We are at peace with God and with others. We are reconciled. We have access. We have a family. 
the beauty of your salvation that you never, ever want to forget is that you're part of a family. Hey, we're messy, but we're family. We all have Cousin Eddie's, and we have lots of them in the church, too. We're family. We're not perfect, but we're family. We're joined together. We're citizens together. Verse 19 to 22. We're built together. That's the descriptors of us. We're a household together. It is a beautiful, imperfect thing. And notice this in verse 22. That we're a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What, 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 What have we gone through? In a matter of a 25-minute message, we've gone from being an alienated, strangers, hopeless, without God, to connected, to at peace, to reconciled, to a family, built together, growing together, sticking together, working it out together. That's what it's about. To the point that God feels at home in our home, in our family. The gospel will change your life, but it'll also change your relationships. When you bring the gospel in to your relationships, it connects you, brings peace, brings reconciliation, it brings us together. Gives us access to the Father. It's a beautiful thing. Would you bow your heads with me today? You know, I want to come back and I want to say what I said at the very beginning. The people that walk through that baptismal waters today have the most important message to hear, to see. And and I realize that in a room like this, there could be multiple people who have made or are making a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and it's like, I need but Christ in my life. I feel like a stranger. I feel alienated. I feel hopeless. I feel like I'm without God. I feel like when I pray, my prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. I need a relationship with Jesus. So I can be connected, so I can have that family, so I can be at peace and live in peace and reconcile relationships with God and with others. If you're here today and that's you, I encourage you right now, tell Jesus that. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, would you save me so that I can be better my relationships with others so I can be connected so I can live at peace with others so that the walls of hostility can come down the walls of of hatred can come down so that I can embrace even different people than me who believe, think differently than me I can do that through you Jesus if you're here today and you've said Mike I'm praying that prayer I'm, I'm praying something like that prayer I'm giving myself to Jesus today a challenge to you. Would you consider going home wet? Would you consider being baptized today? I know that means going home wet, literally. 
we got a t-shirt and a towel. It's about all we can give you. But if you're here today and you're ready to follow Jesus and you're ready to declare that faith, make your statement of your faith in Jesus, I'm going to be hanging out here at the front during this next song. You come see me. Father, Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.